for us to consider because uh, sometimes when the death of Jesus is talked about, it can be just left at, well, he died to save the world. Oh, yes. But there is so much more behind the meaning and intent of what that death was supposed to be for the world and ultimately for uh, the people of God. And that really comes into play as there is this turning point now in Matthew's account as Jesus now is going to tell his disciples about what is going to happen when he comes to Jerusalem. And when he goes to Jerusalem, Jesus is saying, it's not going to go like you think. And things are going to be radically different from what your expectation ultimately is. You see that in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus simply tells them it is necessary for him to go to Jerusalem to suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on on the third day. Uh, and I want us to just to have a, a feeling and a sense of how jarring that would have been to hear. I think that can be a little bit tough for us, especially if you've grown up on the pews. You've heard the story of Jesus as we well sung about today and what his life was like, what the plan was, what he was going to do. But if you can put yourselves in the shoes of the disciples in the first century the idea of Jesus going to a cross would have been terribly confusing and terribly jarring to hear. And so Jesus starts laying this out to his disciples. Here's what's going to happen. And as Jesus begins to give these details to his disciples, I want us to note that Jesus is fully aware of what is going to happen. And I think that is so important that we would never forget that it is not that Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem and be surprised that there is such a rejection that is about to happen. That he's going to get there thinking that there's going to be fanfare and triumph and lo and behold, rather than everybody receiving him, he suddenly gets carted off to a trial. Jesus is clearly in full control of what is going to happen and knows what's going to happen. In fact, I think that is important to see that Jesus knows what's going to take place if he does not want his death to happen. This is the moment where he could say, you know what, Jerusalem does not seem to be a good idea, my friends. We should stay in Galilee. Or, you know what, we've done all we can do in Galilee, let's move north and let's try Asia Minor. Or let's go to Rome, my friends, and we will try there. If Jesus does not want to lay down his life, he can simply not go to Jerusalem. He knows what's going to happen. He's telling his disciples now, for the first time in Matthew's account, here's how it's going to go. When we get there, there's going to be rejection. I know I'm going to be rejection. There's going to be rejection. Let me tell you who's going to do it. The leaders, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, they're going to reject me. I'm going to suffer, note the words, many things die and be raised on the third day. Here's how it's going to go. 
And sometimes I think we can give Peter a hard time in a lot of places that is unnecessary. And this might be one of those places that it is hard to think about the idea of what Peter says and does right here. But I want you to think about the context of what we've just seen. We've just read in the prior paragraph, Jesus calling his disciples together And after asking, who do people say that I am? He specifically asked them, who do you all say that I am? And remember, their answer is not, well, you're a good teacher. You're a good guy. We think you're a rabbi. You're a prophet. You're pretty amazing. It's pretty wonderful to be around you. They confess, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We know who you are. Now imagine hearing Jesus in that context saying, they're going to kill me. And I think Peter's reaction is a natural thought process. Wait a minute. You're the Christ. They can't kill you. You're the son of the living God. You're not an average person. You're not just an ordinary prophet. You're not just a random guy who came along that we've decided to follow. We've confessed who you are. You're the Messiah. You're the one sent from God. You're the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You're the one that we have been waiting for who's going to save the world. We know who you are. And so you notice what... Peter says there in in verse 22, as the first the narration says, Peter takes him aside and begins to rebuke him. And and you can just imagine it as he takes him aside and says, that can't happen to you. Don't you know who you are? You're God. (laughs) You've come from heaven. I just want to put a little bit of color to understanding where Peter's coming from. He's not just being rebellious, argumentative Peter to Jesus here. If you know who Jesus really is, for him to say they're going to kill me doesn't add. How can that be? They can't do that. And think about what they've seen in Jesus and what they know about Jesus. They have seen Jesus walk on water. They have seen Jesus cast out demons. They have seen Jesus feed 5,000 plus people out of a lunch. They have seen Jesus heal the blind. They have seen Jesus stop a woman with a flow of blood that doctors could not heal. They have seen Jesus raise a girl from the dead. And now Jesus says, they're going to kill me. Come on, Jesus. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. They can't do that to you. And I want you to think about Peter's rebuke for a minute. On one level, please consider Peter's right. They can't do anything unless Jesus allows it. Peter's right. This won't happen to you. That's right. Unless it was my will, it wouldn't have happened. 
not only because he knows what's going to happen and he could avoid it if he chose to, but the only way they're going to be able to kill him is because he says so. You might remember in John's account, Jesus clearly saying, they're not going to take my life. I lay it down on my own account. Nobody's coming in and blindsiding me here. They couldn't kill me if they wanted to unless I say so. And you've seen that in the gospel accounts. Remember the crowd all get together. And they're going to throw Jesus off a cliff. That didn't work. He just goes, um, no. <laughs> Not my time. I'll dictate the terms of when I'm going to die. Jesus is the only one who ever got to do that. I'm in full charge. Peter knows that. But I want you to think about what Jesus says to Peter here because in verse 22, it might be a pretty, verse 23 might be a pretty stunning response. Get behind me, Satan. I think I've been very like, yeah, easy now. <laughs> That's quite a statement. Jesus doesn't say, you know, Peter, I appreciate how you, you know, you get who I am. You understand. But, but buddy, this is the way it's got to be. I know. What a response that Jesus gives. He doesn't pull Peter alongside. Let me give you some of the more details about why this is. Let me, you know, preach some sermons to you about this. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. I want you to think about that. You're a hindrance. That, that word, whether you have hindrance or stumbling block in your, in your Bible, is the word that is most frequently translated stumbling block. It's the scandal on. It's what you fall over. Get behind me. Because you're being a stumbling block right now. Now, I want you to think about that. How is Peter being a stumbling block at this point? What is Peter ultimately doing that is causing this hindrance, the stumbling block? And I want to take you in your minds back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry to remember what was Satan tempting Jesus about? We'll read in the scriptures that Jesus is tempted in every way. And I want you to think about the nature of his temptations. And one of the things that Satan comes after Jesus about is the means of avoiding the cross. In that sequence of temptations back in chapter 4, remember one of them is, if you will bow down to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Hey Jesus, you don't have to go through suffering and through a cross to rule the world. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world you can bypass the pain on the cross. Just bow down and worship me. We'll shortcut this process and get you to glory where you need to be. Remember, that's a temptation. Jesus' purpose, Jesus is the Messiah who rules over heaven and earth. And here's the means by which to be able to get around that. And Peter is now putting that into play. As Peter now says to Jesus, that can't happen to you. Well, that's a temptation. That's what Satan's been plaguing him with since the wilderness. Avoid the cross. 
Avoid the pain. Avoid the suffering. And that's why it's such a strong response. Why would you even say the words that he does? Get behind me, Satan. Unless this is a very real threat. In the process of where Jesus is going. The reason this isn't a friendly, ah, Peter, I appreciate that. Is because he's vocalizing the temptation. This can't happen to you. We know who you are. I want you to notice how, how Jesus deals with this. The temptation to avoid the shame, avoid the suffering, avoid the cross, avoid the death. Here Jesus is able to put his finger on the problem and he speaks it in verse 23. You are not thinking about God's concerns. You're not thinking about God's will. You're thinking about human desires. You've got man's concerns on your mind, not the will of God, but the will of people. You're thinking in a human way rather than in a godly way. And I want you to know that that is how Jesus is overcoming the stumbling block, this hindrance, this temptation in the moment, is he's putting his mind on the purposes of God. Here's Peter going, that can't happen to you. We need to get our minds on the purposes of God, is what Jesus is telling Peter. You're thinking fleshly. You're not thinking on a, on a, on a spiritual level, a godly level, but a human level. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. If you were to come up to Peter, do you think Peter thought he had the concerns of God on his mind when he said that? Uh, I think so, too. I think he thought, hey, let me tell you some of the will of God. You're the Christ. This can't happen to you. You're the savior of the world. Surely not you, Lord. And I want you to see that you can think you have your mind on the things of God and not have your mind on the things of God. You can be misdirected. You can be misunderstood in how this would all go. And Jesus saying, your mind's on a human way, not in a godly way. If I was Peter, be like, but I'm thinking in a godly way. And Jesus saying, no, you're not. You need to think according to the purposes of God. And now Jesus is going to explain what he means by all that. Notice in verse 24 how he's going to use this as an opportunity to teach his disciples as well as explain the meaning of his death. What the death of Jesus is ultimately all about. Verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I really want that sentence to resonate with you today. Jesus takes the discussion of his suffering and death and says, here's what I want you to learn from this. If you want to follow me, you must Deny yourself. Friends, that is not only one of the most counter-cultural calls of our day. That is the most counter-intuitive call to your mind. We live in a time 
where not only our culture says this, but our minds agree with it. We should be able to do whatever we want to do. We should be able to do what seems best, what feels right, what is comfortable, what is not inconvenient, but is pleasurable. That is what I should be able to do. In fact, I would challenge and argue today that the only sin our world proclaims is the sin of self-denial. How dare you not do what you want? You should be able to do whatever you want and feel what you want to feel. You should be able to do whatever is in your mind and whatever is in your heart. And I just want us to hear what Jesus says. If you are going to follow me, then there are desires that you must deny. And that's not a lot of fun to hear. We want to make Jesus say, if you want to follow me, do whatever feels right. Do what seems good. You just make yourself king and queen on the throne of your own heart. And you just carry out your heart's desire. You do you. You be yourself. If you want to follow me, just be yourself. And I want you to hear Jesus saying, that can't happen. And I want to underscore it this way. No one is alone in the impact of this call. There is not a single person who is told by Jesus to not to deny yourself that sits there and goes, yeah, that's easy. I have no problem whatsoever. You know, sometimes we make it out to be like, well, that's going to be really hard for some people. That's going to be hard for everybody. <laughs> Nobody who hears that and goes, that's an easy one. Friends, this is as hard as it gets. That God told us. If you want to belong to him, there are things you're going to have to say no to. If you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. And friends, that is what the message of the cross is ultimately about. We sometimes want to make the message of the cross warm and fuzzy. Jesus died to save us and we all feel good about that. And that is great, except Jesus takes it a step further and says, I denied myself by going to the cross and I want you to do the same thing. That's the sentence. Verse 24. If anyone wants to follow after me, let them deny themselves, take up his cross And follow me. Notice what the cross now represents. A complete denial of self. That's what he's getting at. If you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross. A willingness to completely follow Jesus. And friends, that's what Jesus is doing. 
the whole scene as it is unfolding in Jesus' life right here. Is Jesus now going to deny himself and go to Jerusalem, suffer many things and be killed? Or will he choose not to? He's got the choice right here. Peter's challenging Jesus. That can't happen to you. You laying down your life, you being killed by the religious leaders, that can't happen to you. And this is a choice. Is Jesus going to deny himself and take up his cross? And sometimes we miss that this is the essence of the call. That when Jesus is calling for followers, he didn't mean to follow him until he gets to Jerusalem and then eject. That's what I want to do. Following Jesus is great until it's something hard that is really uncomfortable and very painful and something that I don't really like and it doesn't feel very good, then I don't want to do it. This is the massive challenge here. If you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself. Now, why should we do that? Why? Why? Since everything in our mind says no, our minds say, don't deny yourself, do what you want. Our culture says, don't deny yourself, do what feels best. So why should we do this? Good thing Jesus knew you'd wonder. Verse 25, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses his life? And what will anyone give in exchange for his life? I want you to notice what Jesus is doing here as he gives his why explanation. And I think this is what is hard for us in terms of logic and reason as we get our minds around the meaning of the death of Christ is there is ultimately a choice between two worlds and a choice between two lives. Did you catch that in what he said there in in verse, verse 25? It sounds really weird. If you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. And if you lose your life, you're going to save it. And you kind of go, what? there's this picture of two extremes and the whole idea of what he is getting at is that the way of the world and the way of Christ are completely opposite directions. Now we try so hard to merge them together. Somehow I can do everything that I want to do Fulfill all of my desires and pleasures and joys in this life. Everything that my heart desires and still follow Jesus. And I want you to hear Jesus saying that's not possible. When you step to one, he says, you're stepping away from another. This is the picture. It's like if all of us were standing in Texas and we said, I'm going to go to Florida and California at the same time. You can't do that. 
The moment you take a step one way takes you further from the other way. You cannot do both. You can't give yourself to both worlds and both lives. You either walk to one and say no to the other or walk to the other and say no to that. But you can't do both. That's what he's saying in verse 25. If you try to make it your life here, you can't get eternity because they're diametrically opposed to each other. Say it another way. Living for our own self and self-desires and self-purposes to live for just the things of this world pushes you away from God. Now that should make sense. Here's why. Jesus is revealing in God that all God ever does is do what is selfless and for us. That's what this whole whole thing is right here. Here's what Jesus is going to do. Deny himself and go to the cross. Why? For his own benefit? No. No. He he could go somewhere else, set up a kingship, barbecue everybody who says no and say, there I am. Here I am king. Why is he doing this? He's showing the heart of God to us. Selfishness is the opposite of God. Doing what we desire is against what God is all about. Who does everything for his creation. And I want us to think about how Jesus frames this in verse 26. What's the point of gaining this life if you lose everything for eternity? I love that Jesus wants you to make a life calculation right here. That's what he's getting at in verse 28. You can gain this world, okay? You do whatever you want to do. You follow those pleasures. You follow those desires. You do what you want to do. And you are trading out the eternal joys that God has for you. One of the things that I think is hard for us to really think about God made this whole creation and God made us and God made desires and pleasures and joys that are found in this world. He made them. He knows how to make things fun. He knows how to make the world (laughs) enjoyable. But I want you to think about the picture that God has here. When we engage in the the things of this world, have you noticed that every pleasure is momentary? It's like minutes, right? At best, you get minutes and then it's gone. And then it's a memory. And now you just think about, oh, those were good times. They're just minutes. And we put so much into the 
But I get pleasure for minutes. And I want you to just think about this. If God is able to create you and create a world in which you are able to derive such joy and pleasure, but it only lasts for minutes, would you please imagine what eternity is going to be like where it's not minutes? If God has the ability to give you joy and pleasure now, just imagine what that could possibly look like in eternity. We act like we're exchanging something really, really good for something really, really bad in the future. And what all God is saying is, I'm just asking you to give up minutes and I'll give you eternity. I I know what pleasure is. I made you. I know what you like. I made you. I know what your desires are. I made you. I know. Just wait. Just wait. You have no idea how good it's going to be because I made you for that. And it won't be momentary. It won't be fleeting. It won't be minutes. Friends, it's going to be forever. Forever. There's not going to be downtime. It's just going to be forever. The joys and the pleasures of God forever. So why are we making the trade? Or he asked it another way. What's your life worth to you? This idea of true life that God wants to give you in all of its perfection in paradise In true, lasting joy and satisfaction, everything your heart was made for, God is ready to give to you. What's that worth to you? That's the question. And sometimes our terrible answer is 10 minutes right now. That's what it's worth. And he's asking, really? You want an hour now and lose eternity? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Because you know whatever you're doing now will not last. It's not going to make it. Now, I know Satan tells you it will. But you know it won't. It's all going to be fleeting. It's all going to be gone. You're going to have nothing left. So I want us to hear this first picture about when, when, when we are honoring the cross, we are reminding ourselves to take up our cross and to follow him. But the message of the cross is not let's remember that Jesus died for us, but reminds us that we die for him. That's what the cross is symbolizing. It's not just I died for you. Hope you enjoyed that moment. But you now die for him. And he's asking just to lay down those moments for eternal joys and eternal pleasures. Now, let him prove it to you. Verse 27. For the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and he will reward each one according to what he has done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. I don't have time for all of that, which sure love to, but I don't. 
But let me just get to the one big promise that he makes right here. He says, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to die by their hands. But I'm going to return in glory and reward. What Jesus is saying is I'm proof of the promise. Jesus is the proof of the promise. He denies himself. He goes to the cross and is risen to glory and exaltation. You deny yourself. You'll be raised to glory and exaltation. He's proof of the promise. I'm coming back and I'm going to reward you. We can't even begin to think about what that would look like. Our mind can't even, it just can't even get close. We, we, we try to write songs that are based on biblical passages that just so utterly fail at getting the idea, you know, well, streets are going to be paved with gold. You know, that's just not even close to how amazing it's going to be. Maybe you've been able to tour some human castles, human mansions that they put up like Hearst Castles or Biltmore's or things like that. And you walk around and you go, wow. A human made it. What do you think God has for you? We just can't even comprehend the reward. And we're exchanging minutes. Losing eternity in the process. Two big things I want to say to you about about this this morning. Jesus tells us there are two great lasting benefits. The one we know, the other I don't know that we always focus on, and then we'll end our lesson today. Number one, we can't imagine these pleasures of eternity. We can't begin to understand that the one who made us to enjoy this world, and yet it's just momentary, says, I have pleasures for you in eternity that you can't begin to comprehend. But sometimes what we have the tendency to do is to think, So what God did was he created this life to be miserable. And so a Christian has to be miserable. And then one day we'll have all the pleasures to come. But that's not how God frames it. Jesus is always telling us that the directions I'm giving you are for your good now. Jesus has never said, you know, just be miserable for 80 years and it'll be worth it. (laughs) Sometimes people paint God that way. You know, things are just going to be horrid and then, but it'll be worth it. Where did Jesus ever walk around saying that? Yeah, it's just going to be in misery. Now, what Jesus is always saying is, yeah, there's this something better, amazing reward But what I'm telling you is for your good now, too. Quickly, let me illustrate. If you deny yourself and follow Jesus' teachings about your family, you're going to be able to have the joy that God wants you to have with family. If you deny yourself and follow Jesus' teachings in terms of your relationships, you'll be able to enjoy what God has in store for you of what relationships are supposed to be with one another. Marriage relationships, family relationships, friendships, 
If you'll follow what Jesus says about those things, you'll have the best joy in those relationships. If you follow what Jesus says and deny yourself when it comes to sexual purity, then you're going to have joy with who you are with and what God has given to you. If you will deny yourself and follow the various directions of what God has given to us throughout the scriptures, he's telling you how to enjoy life now. That this is the best way. But you want to know what we do? We go, no, that's not the best way. I want my 30 minutes. And we destroy ourselves. We ruin ourselves. We wreck our lives. We wreck relationships. We harm all kinds of things. And then we wonder, why can't we be selfish, do what we want to do and still go to heaven? And God's going, because you can't destroy yourself and be selfish and harm other people and think that's my way. It's it's God's way, not our way. He made us and he knows the way we ought to go. So, number one, Jesus' message of the cross. Denying ourselves is the only way. I hope that hits like a brick. There's a reason when Peter's talking to Jesus about not going to the cross, this will not happen to you. That Jesus feels this is very important to teach his disciples. If you want to follow me, you must be willing to say no to yourself. Everyone will have to say no. There's not a single person that will not have to say no to a variety of desires, wants, and pleasures. Everyone has to. But that's the only way for joy now and true pleasures in eternity. It's the only way. So you can either try to get all you can out of your 20 minutes and lose eternity, or you can forfeit the hour and live for eternity. And I'll end by asking it this way. What good is it to gain your minutes of pleasure in this life and lose the eternal joys? What good is that? Whatever it is you seek, it will be over. Even things that are not immoral don't last. If your great life goal is to see some landmark in the world, guess what? You'll go see it. And then what? And then that's gone. All of life is only minutes of joy that pass away. And God is trying to say, I'll give you something far better. I'm showing you the pleasures are there, but trust me, what I have for you is far better. Deny yourself and take up the cross and follow me. Let's go to God in prayer. (laughs) Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you for your son that showed us the message of the cross and the meaning of his death. Lord, we thank you that your son denied himself and took up the cross so that we could have forgiveness 
and eternal pleasures. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you acted for our own interests and not for your own. That you were willing to do all that could possibly be done to save us from an eternity of punishment and suffering and pain. And Lord, we thank you for giving us your word that shows us not only how to enjoy the world to come, but how to enjoy the pleasures of this life now. Lord, please forgive us for how often we trade eternity for moments. Forgive us for how often we exchange eternal glory for sinful passions and worldly desires. And Lord, I pray that you would instill within our hearts today a mind to be willing to deny ourselves. Help us to see that the call is not wrong or irrational, but that you are truly trying to give us a better life now to keep us from the pain and sorrows of this world and to give us great joy and eternal satisfaction in the day to come. Lord, forgive us of our failures. And I pray that the message of the cross will just seep into our hearts and into our lives so that we would be a people who deny ourselves for your glory and for the good of everyone around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sing an invitation song. We invite you to come to Jesus. And I will remind you of tonight that we'll talk about the power of the resurrection. The resurrection also has a message to us about what was intended of why God would do that picture for us, just as the death of his son does. Come to him today. Turn away from sin. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're interested in learning more about God and what God's plan is for your life, we would be happy to help you do that. You can talk to me afterward, talk to Dan afterward, tap somebody next to you and say, hey, I want to learn more. We'd be happy to help you in any way to get to know God, put you on a track of life for Jesus Christ. Anyway, anything we can do for you, let us know afterward or come forward while we stand and while we sing.